Hello, Irish fans, and welcome to Onward to Victory, a Notre Dame football podcast. As always, I am your host, Alex Painter, recording live in East Central Indiana. So thank you so much for just a bit of your time today, wherever it is that you may be listening from. I sincerely hope you all are well. Happy belated Father's Day to all the excellent dads out there. Father's Day, as of this recording, was just yesterday. I had a great day. I can't even can't even lie. And I got a late Father's Day present at the mail, in the mail, I should say, that arrived today. And we're going to talk about it here in just a few moments. So we are actually right about 75 days until the 2020 college football season is slated to kick off. So, like you, a lot of anticipation, a little bit of anxiety, and we'll all continue to hope for the best on that front. As some news came out, this has been about a week ago, that quite a number of the Texas Longhorns players have tested positive for COVID-19. So, again, we are just going to go ahead and continue to hope for the best on this front. And we talked about it a little bit to Notre Dame's response last episode. But anyways, we'll kind of just play that one by ear. So here we go. Episode 25, Remarkable. And in keeping with show tradition, let's assign the episode a representative who wore number 25 for the Irish. Now, not to make this anticlimactic, but this will absolutely, without debate, be the College Football Hall of Famer Rocket Ismail episode. Who wore number 25 for the Irish from 1988 to 1991? Now, get a load of this. 131 career rushes and 71 career receptions. Put those together, he averaged almost 13 yards per offensive touch. So look out. And as we know, equally thrilling was Rocket's kick and punt return game. And only 71 career returns. He took six of them, or just shy of 10% of them, back to the house for six. So if you want to learn a little bit more about the awesomeness of Rocket, go back and listen to episode 12 of this here very show titled Once in a Lifetime Shot When Rocket Ismail Spurned the NFL Shield, which was released last December. If you want to hear about kind of the crazy, unprecedented chain of events that led to Rocket, who was the presumptive number one pick in the NFL draft, to head north for the Canadian Football League. And Quite a story that was then, and my goodness, when you look at it now, now that it's been crazy to think, you know, almost 30 years, it's amazing. It's awesome. So go back and give that one a listen. I promise you it's worth the time. Uh, but anyways, the Rocket is Smile episode, here we go. This is going to be a different type of episode for the show. So this is going to be kind of unofficially, officially the commemoration of one year doing the show. So this is going to be kind of a, rather than most episodes traditionally have like one main story and maybe a little bit of a filler here and there, this is going to be kind of a three-part episode. So leading off is going to be the Onward to Victory official review of Jeffrey G. Harrell's Rockney of Ages. 
My goodness, I cannot wait to dig into this review. If you're listening to this, you're probably aware. The show's a bit of a fan of Jeff, and we've had him on the show as a guest, and as well as we kind of used a lot of his work. This is before I had met him for the basis of a previous episode, but we'll talk about that here in just a second. So after the review, we are going to do a truncated player power ranking with the help of One Foot Down, the Notre Dame football site from SB Nation. And so the preseason All-American lists are starting to come out. So again, short of doing a full-blown 2020 season preview, which will probably come out in August, we're going to visit the newly unveiled preseason All-American list and see if any of our Golden Domers make an appearance, as well as, as I mentioned, a player power ranking, ranking the top players in the program heading into the 2020 season. And so finally, after one year and over 2,700 show downloads, I will give you the list, speaking of a kind of a power ranking in its own right, of the most listened to episodes in show history, as well as maybe kind of a look behind the curtain, so to speak, uh, a behind the scenes look at what it takes to create these episodes, as well as some news moving forward about the show, including some new merch that will be available soon. I hope you had a chance to listen to the last episode where I talked about and investigated, pardon me, a really neat connection between Notre Dame and former president John F. Kennedy. Honestly, I went about putting that episode together and was only hoping it would be substantive enough to actually merit a full episode, and it ended up being way more than I ever would have guessed, and hopefully maybe even way more than you would have ever guessed too. And if you haven't listened to it already, go give it a spin. I promise you it's well worth your time. And just as a pleasant bonus, you get the the extra story of John F. Kennedy and the PT-109 boat, uh, that whole story and saga from World War II. So leading off, let's turn our focus to a new Notre Dame book that was just released in the past month or so from Jeff Harrell. Now, again, many of you remember Jeff and I had the opportunity back in March, and I should say I had the opportunity to speak to him uh, about Notre Dame coach Knut Rockne, the mob bomb theory, so to speak, and his upcoming book, The Rockne of Ages. That was episode 17 for you inquiring minds. So episode 10 from last November was actually a true crime themed episode that focused on the very same mob bomb theory, which alleges that... Rockney's plane crash was perpetuated by none other than the Al Capone mob. And I used a fair amount of Jeff's published work for that as well, though again, this was actually before I had met him. So this project has thusly been split into two different publications because yes, this is something that can touch two very different audiences incredibly keenly. So first, you have As God's Witness, the death of Knut Rockne, which is essentially the Kindle or the, the Kindle or paperback version of the main written content of Rockne of Ages. So it's about 215 pages, and it was available first about a month ago. I bought it the first day it was available, and uh, after kind of things settled down at my house, I was able to just fly through it. It's that kind of book, sincerely. So Rockne of Ages, so yes, it's about 215 pages, as I mentioned. So the Rockne of Ages, which I am holding in my hands right now, is the written content of As God's Witness, but also with 300 rare photographs, and much more about Rockney's life in his own words. And as I look at it right now, it is nearly 600 pages long. It is an absolute beast. 
So I reached out to Jeff just to make sure I had that bit correct. He said that yes, essentially the hardcover Rockney of Ages serves almost as a deluxe edition. So folks who really just enjoy reading about Al Capone, the mafia, or you just want the story without all the photographs and extras, you can opt for As God's Witness. Whereas us Rockney buffs or Notre Dame football buffs can kind of get the, the whole shebang, so to speak, in Rockney of Ages. So I have finished As God's Witness on Kindle. I'm not even a Kindle reader, but that is actually how excited I was to read this. And now that my Rockney of Ages has arrived, I will probably have to do a short video review for the Facebook page on it because... I am holding this thing, and it is something to behold, sincerely. And so I'll show you all, and I hope you consider buying it. So Rockney of Ages is broken into five distinct sections, including section one called The Hit, which details the mob killing of Chicago-based crime reporter Jake Lingle and introduces Father John Reynolds as the main character of the story. So section two is called The Crash which outlines the flight which resulted in the death of Rockney and the others in the plane, as well as the national response to losing well, a national icon in Rockney. So section three is called The Investigation, which goes in-depth with the, you guessed it, subsequent investigation of the crash, including the first reports that it was perpetuated by the mob and that the plane, in fact, didn't crash. It exploded in the air. So, and then the fourth section is called the, the Rockney Legacy, which is, oh, it's just a series of short stories and delectable anecdotes that detail the amazing influence that Rockney had on football, not just while he was alive, but even decades after he had died. Then there's also a section called Rockney on Rockney. And when Jeff was talking about that this book was going to unveil Rockney in his own words. That is what this section is about. He talks about a myriad of topics, him being Rockney. So it's almost refreshing. Uh, when Jeff, when we were talking, called this almost a posthumous autobiography, this is the section in which he was talking about. And like I said, Rockney talks about a myriad of topics, including building a successful college football program, his upbringing, and other things like that. So of note, this part is actually not in As God's Witness. So I actually have not read the whole thing, this whole section in its entirety. So I'm really looking forward to doing that. And then at the very end of the book, there's an epilogue, uh, The Chalkboard, which actually diagrams some of those Rockney specials, man, those plays that he would dial up if he needed, uh, needed to get a chunk of yards. So uh, very cool stuff. So how is it? I'll say this. Whether you're a proponent of the mob bomb theory or not, this book may change your mind or at the very least open your mind to it. And this is absolutely some must-read action for fans of Notre Dame football, uh, Canute Rockney, college football, mafia activity. It is an absolute catch-all. The story itself, if you've listened to episode 10, or if you heard Jeff and I's discussion on episode 17, the story itself is spellbinding. And it follows a very unscrupulous crime reporter named Jake Lingle, who is in cahoots with the mob, City Hall, the police department. He pretty much takes money however he can from whomever he can. And so 
in a classic case, he ultimately finds himself with his finger in far too many pies. And whether inadvertently or not, he finds himself uh, on none other than Al Capone's naughty list. And which finds himself then, subsequently, on the wrong end of an assassin's weapon. Now, just as that hit on Jake Lingle is taking place, a Notre Dame priest named John Reynolds is exiting the train in the subway station. Sees the whole thing. Which, as Harold elegantly writes, sets off this wild chain of events which alters the course of countless lives, the University of Notre Dame, college football, commercial aviation, you name it. And as you might have guessed, this allegedly leaves beloved Notre Dame coach and national icon Knut Rockne directly in the crosshairs of Capone's retaliatory effort against Reynolds and Notre Dame, who ultimately testified in court about Lingle's murder. So the story is meticulously told and it's meticulously researched, and it's written in an incredibly accessible and refreshing manner. And I'm going to say this regardless of your level of familiarity with any of this subject matter, you're going to find a whole lot of enjoyment and suspense and within these pages. And what I really liked about it was, despite the subject matter, you know, it really didn't paint Rockne as something of a martyr. And sure, he was certainly in the wrong place at the wrong time. But instead, Jeff, whether he means to or not, just catap- catapults Rockne beyond at, with the greatness of his legacy while he was living, but also after he had died. And Jeff weaves a gripping story together in a manner which has never been done before, relying heavily on first-hand accounts and primary sources, you get the sense, now as I'm leafing through the hardcover right now with all the amazing photographs, the photographs sincerely bring this story to life in a different way. And I thought, as I mentioned a second ago, it was extremely accessible even without them. But my goodness, no stone is left unturned. And the reader will find themselves enjoying every bit of... I guess the minutia surrounding all of the figures, events, and mysteries surrounding the crash. And the reader will also have an opportunity to be placed in a myriad of settings, uh, including being on the streets of Chicago during the 1930s, a time when Al Capone and his mob ran the city. You know, and you just kind of get that gritty feeling uh, being there. But also perhaps the farthest place from Chicago, which would be growing up with an irascible youngster named Johnny Reynolds in Bellows Falls, Vermont, who, despite Reynolds' inclination to put up his fist to solve issues, he will grow up to be a virtuous, if not a bit cantankerous, priest. Or finally, you'll find yourself in the locker room during a 1929 Notre Dame football game taking in a Rockney pep talk. So how could I describe reading it? Uh, It's told with this gripping intensity that will not allow you to put it down. So here's an excerpt. I asked Jeff if it was okay if I shared an excerpt or two. He said that was absolutely fine. So I picked two excerpts. One is more crime, true crime theme. The other is more football theme. Because again, as Jeff mentioned and as I couldn't concur more. This is certainly a book that will touch both audiences in in very keen ways. So here's an excerpt detailing the mysterious gunmen who were tailing Jake Lingle. So this is the inciting event in the book, the one that again 
sets off this wild chain of events. Quote, Two other men on foot suddenly appeared from the shadows of a back alley and flanked Lingle from behind. One was tall, decked out in a gray suit, with light hair showing from the bottom edge of a straw boater. He had just emerged from a public restroom where he had taken a hit of a powdery drug to relax his shaky nerves. The other was a shorter, stocky figure with black, glossy hair slicked back on his head. Lingle was oblivious. His eyes scoured the racing form for the day's potential winners. He walked four blocks to Michigan Avenue, then continued toward the subway station, head buried in the racing form. Entering the station, Lingle proceeded downstairs to the underground walkway leading to the Illinois Central Suburban Electric Railroad in Grant Park. The two men tailed Lingle step for step, hiding in plain sight. The subway station was too packed with afternoon shoppers and office workers for anyone to stand out. The two men were fixated on Lingle. They didn't as much as peek away from their target when the screeching brakes of an arriving train filled with passengers from South Bend reverberated loudly throughout the station, end quote. So as you might have guessed, that train filled with passengers from South Bend, uh, the one that arrived right at this as this moment is taking place is a crux in the story, and I will just leave it right there. So how about also this excerpt from a section about Rockney as a motivator? Quote, Knut Rockney was the antithesis of his own classic image, a shy, self-effacing anomaly who sounded through a staccato pitch stammer that heightened to a, a screech instead of a clamor. Rockney didn't even look the part of the greatest football coach in the land, nor the game's most prodigious endorser. He stood only 5 feet 8 inches tall, although some who knew him said he was shorter, perhaps the result of a pair of spindly legs that had been bowed and nearly crippled from severe phlebitis, a nose that had been crushed when he was a teen by either a baseball bat in a brawl or a foul tip off a bat while positioned as a catcher during a pickup sandlot game, left Rockney with the flattened mug of a back alley fighter. When he entered Notre Dame at age 21, Rockney had already started to go bald, which made him look at least 10 years older, all the way up to his death at 43, end quote. So that continues about, uh, you know, Rockney, and it's just very, very descriptive. And, you know, it's not the most flattering description of Rockney, but really, again, as I mentioned, Jeff kind of describes Rockney in a way that makes it seem like, though he was obviously naturally skilled, he worked exceedingly hard to be to, to rise to the level in which he did. So at the end of the day, I cannot recommend this book enough. Jeff has done a tremendous job breathing life and a sense of authenticity into the story by shining a light on an unforgettable cast of characters who were all placed voluntarily or not and had a part to play in an extraordinarily compelling event in American history. So, again, As God's Witness is available for your Kindle for just $7.99 on Amazon. And if you are interested in the hardcover deluxe edition Rockney of Ages, 
It is also available on Amazon for $29.99. And again, I am holding it as we speak. I'm leafing through the pages. I, it's, it's worth every penny. This is an anthology. It is a chronicle. And I can't help but think if you are a Notre Dame fan, this is just, it's must read. And honestly, again, as I'm leafing through Rockney of Ages, the photographs are absolutely amazing. Uh, most of which, the majority of which, I've never seen before. So, again, the pictures are fantastic. It really brings juice to the story, and the story is, in its own right, incredibly juicy. So, again, I hope you have the opportunity to read it. It's a romp, and I'd like to thank Jeff for being just a friend of the show, and congratulations on getting this out there, and I think it's going to be widely, widely enjoyed. All right, and we'll be right back with Power Ranking and talking about some of our preseason All-Americans for the 2020 football season right after this. All right, so I actually, for this very episode, was planning on doing a power ranking of the 2020 Notre Dame football players. And then I discovered that our friends at SB Nation's One Foot Down, a Notre Dame football site I'm sure that many of you are familiar with, actually beat me to it. And again, the power ranking of the top Notre Dame players heading into the season. So I was actually going to do a top 10. One Foot Down actually did a top 25. So this is from a June 9th article from Joshua Voles. And with respect to the original article, I won't spoil all their selections, but let's look at one foot down their top Notre Dame players heading into the 2020 season. And I'll reveal mine for what it's worth after I share theirs. So their methodology was they did a poll amongst all of their staff riders and they added up however many points uh, working you know, from one to 25 and one, two, and three on their list were very, very close. Almost like razor, razor thin. Well, you're going to figure out who those are here in just a minute. So their number five is Cleveland, Ohio, St. Ignatius' own senior offensive tackle, Liam Eichenberg, who has started the last 26 games at tackle spanning the last two seasons. It isn't much of a surprise that he's in the top five, particularly because he is already garnering some NFL draft first round speculation for 2021. And he could easily follow in the footsteps of fellow Notre Dame offensive tackle first rounders, you know, Mike McGlinchey and Ronnie Stanley. So I'll tell you this much, you know, a few episodes ago, we talked about Jim Mutchler, who was a tight end type player for Notre Dame um, back in the 40s. And we kind of talked about how good Notre Dame has been in producing tight end talent. And this is true. Uh, but we could probably extend that to the entire offensive line. And when you stop and you think about just how many great offensive linemen have come out of Notre Dame in the last, let's say, six years, it's it's amazing. And so, yeah, I think they are quickly ga gaining a reputation of the one of the finest producers of NFL caliber offensive line talent in the country. Okay, so number four. Okay, number five is Liam Eichenberg. Number four is Belleville, Michigan native and fifth year senior defensive end, Dalen Hayes. Hayes gave us a glimpse last season. He had a really nice first four games before that season ending, ending pardon me, shoulder injury against Virginia. However, if you look at his career line, he does have 78 tackles, 
14 and a half of those are for a loss and six sacks. So does, he's going to, I say he's primed and ready to make that leap to elite, so to speak. He's going to really kind of have to be. As many of us are probably aware, Notre Dame's two defensive ends from last year, Khaled Kareem and Julian Aquara, have both moved on to the NFL ranks. So we're going to need a guy like Hayes to fill in the hole. And frankly, I think he's going to, I think he's going to have a breakout season and probably etch etch a spot into the 2021 draft. Probably not a first round grade like possibly Eichenberg, but he's going to be a really nice college player this year. Number three on one foot down's list is Jeremiah Usukoromoa, senior linebacker from Hampton, Virginia. I can't even lie. I love this guy. I'm completely smitten. And what's not to love? 80 tackles last season, a stout 13 and a half in the backfield, five and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, and two fumble recoveries. This man's needle is trending way up, particularly after that incredible Camping World Bowl performance, where I know that football is a game played with 11 people, and all 11 are expected to do their individual assignments, and if that happens, well, then you got a really strong chance of being successful. However, sometimes it felt like he was defeating Iowa State single-handedly on defense. And I know if you watch the game, it was impossible not to notice just how dominant he was. And so that was the last we've seen him. And I think he's going to just really, really break out this year. Okay, so that number three, one foot down, top five list is Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, linebacker. Number two is senior quarterback from El Dorado Hills, California, Ian Book. No surprise here that he is in the top five, as it could be safely assumed that Book will also land team captaincy for the second straight season. Last year, 34 passing touchdowns versus just six interceptions. Offensively, uh, we will go as far as Book can take us. We have a lot of, I don't want to say holes, but we have a lot of departures on the offensive side of the ball, including tight end Cole Komet, including receivers Chase Claypool and Chris Fink. So we are going to have our work cut out for us. We will go as far offensively. Oh, Tony Jones Jr., running back. There's another one that we're missing. But anyways, we'll go as far offensively as Book can take us. And he will, again, have plenty of chances to come up big this year which, despite his statistical prowess, has probably been the biggest detraction of his career. So regardless, I am sure glad that he's coming back for another go-round. And he will unequivocally be the best quarterback on the field any given game this year that Notre Dame plays, with the exception of that Clemson game. Of course, they've got a very talented quarterback. Okay, so number one on one foot down's Power ranking of the top Notre Dame football players heading into the 2020 season. Number one is sophomore phenom from Atlanta, Georgia, safety Kyle Hamilton. Freshman All-American last year. Rangy, athletic, 6'4", 210 pounds. He is everywhere on defense. 41 tackles and four interceptions last season. He came in and made an immediate impact and just how awesome was it to see uh he got to play a lot for that year under you know Jalen Elliott and show favorite Alohi Gilman and it was clear that he's the real deal and 
Uh, if you hear Elliot and Gilman talk about him, uh, he's clearly he clearly endeared himself to them. But yes, he is a matchup specialist, averaging nearly 35 snaps a game in coverage, which, according to Pro Football Focus, is the second highest mark for any freshman in the entire country. So he, again, it was very encouraging to see he came in and made that immediate impact and look for him to be a defensive leader. Uh, he is obviously naturally skilled. And so I look for him to bring more intangibles to this upcoming season. So there you have it. The one foot down top five, again, out of their top 25 ranked players. So go read the original article if you'd like. As far as mine, they, they were a bit different, but not by much actually. So I guess we were all kind of riding the same wavelength. Big, the biggest difference was Hayes was on the bubble for me. I think he was coming in at number six or seven. I think it was six uh, because my number five was senior offensive lineman Robert Hainsey. So there's another strong offensive lineman. And Notre Dame might have the best offensive line in the entire country in 2020, which is only going to obviously help the cause. So I had number five, senior offensive lineman Robert Hainsey. Number four, I had Liam Eichenberg. Now, like, like one foot down, I think my top three were probably razor thin as far as what, uh, you know, where they were placed and as far as the differentiation between the three. But I had three as Kyle Hamilton. Number two is Ian Book. And number one, not a surprise, I just kind of pronounced my love for him, Jeremiah Usukoromoa. So again, I had Hainsey, Eichenberg, Hamilton, Book, and Usukoromoa. So that's my top five. And those are the names, regardless of your level of familiarity with Notre Dame as it currently stands, just remember those five names. They're going to they're gonna make large, large impacts heading into this season. And you could even go as far as to say, you know, these five are going to take Notre Dame. However far they go, it'll probably be because largely these five and throw Dalen Hayes in that mix as well. As far as preseason All-Americans, the Irish have two as of this recording. So Lindy Sports, a reputable I mean, if you go to your local grocery store or supermarket and you go to the magazine section, you'll probably find both Lindy's Sports and Street and & Smith's or some one of the two, possibly both. So Liam Eichenberg was actually named to Lindy Sports' second team preseason All-American squad. So again, bookending the offensive line with a guy like Eichenberg is going to help book out considerably. You are going to be hard-pressed to find a better, better tackle in the country than Eichenberg. So he's getting a little bit of that preseason pub. Well-deserved. And in Street and Smith, uh, Street and Smith, pardon me, yet another reputable uh, football publication, their preseason second team, preseason All-American second team, has none other than Dalen Hayes. And they kind of mentioned kind of like what we just did. You know, he's, he's a guy that was enjoying a really strong 2019 until that injury. So I hope he recovers adequately from that injury. And again, he will step right into defensive end one or DE one on the depth chart and is poised to make an impact, a big impact here in 2020. So those are our two preseason All-Americans as of this recording. Lindy's and Street and Smith's are two of the the publications that will release All-American lists. There probably might be another one or two coming down the pike. So if we have any more guys, rest assured, they will be covered in the season preview episode. So let's pause here really quick and come back with kind of the commemoration of the one-year anniversary for the show right after this. 
right, and if you've made it this far in the episode, I thank you. So this is, I guess, part three of this here episode, and as something of a commemoration of the show's one-year anniversary, I started back in June of 2019, uh, I'm going to give you the top five most downloaded episodes in show history here quickly, and for some of you, it might be a walk down memory lane. Uh, <laughs> I know for me it is, actually, so... The fifth most downloaded episode in show history is episode 11, which was Beyond Belief, the utterly astonishing life experience of Jumping Joe Savaldi, released on November 18th, 2019. This is one that I was extremely proud of because uh, if you go back and listen to it, it'll I'll be very apparent that, or I'll be very transparent, pardon me, that I was actually just kind of trying to figure out to the answer to a very simple question. Who scored the first touchdown in Notre Dame Stadium's history? And so uh, I'm like, okay, so jumping Joseph Aldi. And then that was kind of the answer to my trivia question. But so I was like, all right, let me just figure out a little bit more about this guy. That way I can share it with the listening audience. And then the next thing I knew, I was I, I discovered that Jumping Joe had a short, well, his career at Notre Dame ended with controversy. Seriously, if you haven't heard this one, oh, go back and listen to it. It's fantastic. So his Notre Dame career ended in controversy, and then he subsequently, I think less than two weeks later, was playing for Papa Hallis's Chicago Bears. And so he played a game, I think one game with them. Then he had a prolific career as a pro wrestler. And then he was a spy for the Office of Strategic Services at, during World War II. And he was an undercover, uh, an undercover spy or hiding in plain sight type spy. So, you know, he had like an alias and all that. And he, he put himself in an incredible amount of danger during World War II. And he also was one of the first producers of an energy drink. So, my goodness, boy, Jumping Joe Savaldi is a fantastic listen, and I I hope he gets a movie someday. He certainly deserves one. I did an episode not too long ago about Rudy and what it took for him to get a movie. I'm sure there's somebody working in the background and in the, trying to, to plug Jumping Joe. At least I hope there is. Okay, so, number four, which is episode 15 of... It was part two of the Notre Dame and the Civil War miniseries, and it was titled The Priest, which was released on January 22nd, 2020. So this was the one about Father William Corby. And if you go to Notre Dame's campus, you will see the statue near Corby Hall called Fair Catch Corby. He's got his hand in the air. His right hand is in the air, and he has kind of been introduced into Notre Dame on-campus Laura's Fair Catch Corby. However, that scene comes from the second day of the Battle of Gettysburg, where he blessed and absolved the Irish Brigade uh, of the Union Army right before they went into the fight, and it's become a scene that is very, very famous. So you have that. He was the official chaplain of the Irish Brigade, and you know, and there's a lot of people that say that the the team and uh, Notre Dame athletics got their name partly because of Corby and others who say, at least maybe even just mythically, that the name the name for the athletic teams, the Fighting Irish, is from Corby and his time spent with the Irish Brigade during the Civil War. But uh, anywho, he also was just very well connected to Notre Dame. I mean, he served as president. Uh, he was it was during his presidency that the construction of the main building began. You might know it as the Golden Dome. So if you want to learn more about Father Corby, episode 15 
Uh, it's the again Notre Dame in the Civil War Part Two, which is called The Priest. So parts one and three are also pretty cool. I gotta say. So episode. 15. All right, so the third most downloaded episode in show history is episode 10. I mentioned it earlier, but it's called True Crime and Knut Rockney's Tragic Death from November 4th, 2019. If you want to learn more about that, well, go back and listen to it, but I also just reviewed Rockney of Ages, which deals pretty much exclusively with this event. So, again, the whole idea that the plane crash, uh, that the, the that was uh, carrying Coach Rockney was perpetuated by Al Capone's mob. That's essentially what it was, and it's like a true crime-themed episode. We talk about true crime as a genre and why people love it so much, and then we follow it up with uh, just the talking about that episode, or that incident, I should say. So that was November 4th, 2019. Second most downloaded episode in show history is episode 8, called The Game of the Century, which was uh, released originally on all October 7th, 2019. So that was that classic Notre Dame-Florida State game, where uh, one versus two, and it was an absolute instant classic, as I mentioned. So yeah, go back and listen to that. It, it, a lot of people liked that one because it's still, for a lot of us, uh, a lot of people remember that game or watch that game because it wasn't too terribly long ago. Uh, unlike, obviously, nobody alive knew w William Corby or nobody alive really knew Coach Rockney with, or very few people would have known Jumping Joe. Uh, but this is one that really a lot of people, it resonated with a lot of people. So that is ep uh, the second most downloaded uh, the most downloaded episode in show history is, in fact, episode one, which is a Heisman at Iwo Jima released on June 13th, 2019. So that was the episode where uh, I talked about Angelo Bertelli and his Notre Dame career and how it was abruptly and it abruptly ended so that way he could go serve in World War II and talked about his World War II service record and how that pretty much uh, climaxed in him on the front lines at Iwo Jima, which was a very bitter and desperate struggle, but also one that, you know, the, the war, it was in 1945, and the war was coming to a close, but that's not to say that these battles towards and these campaigns at the end, that's really what clinched it. Um, and victory over the Japanese was not an easy endeavor. And a campaign like Iwo Jima had to be fought in order to bring the, the conflict to a close. And a guy like Angelo Bertelli, despite the fact he was famous, he was a Heisman Trophy winner. He was on the front lines at the battle. So that is the most downloaded episode in show history. The very first one. We just celebrated the one-year anniversary of that uh, about a week and a half ago. And that is the most popular one. So what does it take to do one of these episodes? I would be remiss not to mention that I am pretty much a, a one-person shop. And releasing an episode every two weeks can be really challenging. Since, yes, I do this for fun and I do have a family but pretty much all the show ideas and origins are the same. Uh, I keep several notebooks, one of which is just show ideas, and the others are just other things that I'm into researching, and I try to write down all my ideas, uh, otherwise I will forget them. But um, So I, I come up with ideas, and at any given time I'll have between three and six show ideas. I'll ultimately pick one. 
and I'll make it my mission to become not an expert because as Malcolm Gladwell once said, you need, I think, 10,000 hours doing something to become an expert at it. So by that standard, I'm not an expert on any of these topics or anything, I guess, in general. But I will be as diligent as I can with research and I will go to old papers. Then I mentioned multiple times over this show that I, I frequent the Notre Dame Digital Archives, which is free and fantastic. And once you kind of get used to the interface, you can find a lot of stuff buried in. All the football reviews are in there, for instance, and I use those a ton. But also all the student newspapers and you know the alumni magazines in there. So there's a lot of things that I use for the show that are free and you just kind of have to know where to find them. So if you ever go, if you're ever curious or you wanna do your own research, I would strongly encourage you to go to the Notre Dame Digital Archives because as I said, it's completely free. So anyways, I will put these show ideas together. I'll start and then I'll pick one, I'll settle on it and then I will just kind of, for lack of a better phrase, research the heck out of it, try to make it as compelling as possible, provide as much contextual information as I can just to kind of set a scene. As you know, most of the episodes are story-based. So that is something that is important. If it's a story, well, it should hopefully be compelling. And so that's always my goal is regardless of what the topic is, regardless of how like, for lack of a better term, how sexy the topic is. So like Joe Montana and the chicken soup game, Yes, that one that one was very popular because my goodness, that is in the Notre Dame lore. So there's that. And then there but you know, so I have episodes like that. But then there's also like the episode about Clashmore Mike, who was the Irish Terrier who served as the on-field mascot for Notre Dame. And a lot of people weren't aware of that. And so so sometimes you take a gamble on episode ideas that are less popular hope and hope they kind of resonate. And so I've had some surprises, like the jumping Joe Savaldi. <laughs> I was under the impression, I'm like, I'm going to put this episode out. Nobody's heard of this guy, and nobody's going to listen to it. But honestly, what helped me is Len Clark, who covers Notre Dame every day. The very day that I released the Joe Savaldi episode, he actually released uh, one of the articles that I used for research for that actual episode. So... Jumping Joe had a bit of a had a bit of a day in that regard. And so once I get all the research, I will take copious notes on it, and then I'll actually type out a script. Not for every single word that I'm going to say throughout the entire episode, but certainly for the story portions of the episodes, I will actually type out most everything that I want to say. And that's because uh, storytelling it needs to be tight if you want it to be compelling. And I'm someone who once I get going, I will start to ramble uh, and bring in probably somewhat tangentially related factoids and anecdotes that maybe aren't necessary. So I try to keep it as scripted as I can as far as the storytelling portion. And in fact, this whole section, this whole segment of the of this episode, there is no script for, which is actually fairly uncommon. I've got a couple talking points, but anyway, so then after that, I will record it right? Naturally. But I'll do that. I typically do it in my basement um, with my computer and I have a microphone and I kind of get everything set up. I lay all my notes out, anything that I'm using for the episode, all right here. And then after I'm done recording it, I will actually go through and I will edit it. So that might include taking out long pauses or anything like that. Also in inserting the music that is used, even just like the, that little filler Irish jingle that you hear. I insert that in and, and all that, the, the fight song at the very end of the episode. So I'll go through and I will edit it and make sure that it sounds good. And then I will go about designing the episode placard. So I actually do that all myself too. If you're on the Facebook page, then you know that every single episode has its own placard or like like an advertisement for it. What, what the episode's about. I normally have a picture or two. 
Um, and so I'll do that and then I'll put it out on social media and then that'll be all she wrote. That's how it goes. But it typically takes, like I said, I release episodes every two weeks on average and I will take normally a week where I don't do much with the writing of the show and then I'll kind of start writing and researching for a week leading up to each episode. So it takes about a week. Uh, I'm not sure how many hours, but that is something that I do constantly think about and I want to make sure it stays interesting and fresh. So that's a little bit about how the show is made. If you have any questions or if you'd like to start your own podcast, you know, I would be happy to tell you any tips that I can help with. So I guess that's about it. So let me get my thank yous in before we end this. So first and foremost, again, thank you to you, the listener. And I know that a number of you have been around for a long time. And please know that I am eternally grateful for you and your company. Others of you may have just discovered the show. And I'm, of course, incredibly grateful for you as well. Uh, next to uh, thank you to the show's consensus all Americans that super special sect of show listeners who support the efforts monetarily and keep it 100% ad free for all of us to enjoy and allows the show to continue to push boundaries so first up is Brad Glazer of Williamsburg Indiana uh, and second is a special thank you to Michael Finan of Rutherford New Jersey so just as a reminder any funds directed to the show in this manner if you would like to become a consensus all-american 100% directly go back directly into the show so I'll talk more about the consensus all-american program here in a minute but these two guys I can't thank enough because honestly they keep this show ad-free uh, Brad and Michael do and I, that's a goal of mine uh, is to keep it ad-free because as I mentioned before, this is a story-based podcast, and nothing kills a story like an ad right in the middle of it. So thank you to Joseph Rakish, who allows the show to use his song, Knut Rockney at the beginning as the theme. If you're like, man, I can dig that song, where can I find it? You can see, you can find it on uh, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, wherever it is you get music. He was kind enough to let me use it. He was one of the first people I contacted about the show uh, a year ago. And I said, hey, I love this. This has been one of my favorites for a couple of years. Can I use it for the show? And he said, he said, hey, I absolutely said I could. So thank you. And if you dig the show, you can find it on Apple Podcasts. So the purple icon, Spotify, as well as Podbean at onward to victory.podbean.com so like subscribe do whatever you got to do please make sure you're getting all the new episodes interact with me on the facebook page at facebook.com slash onward to victory that's where all the show news kind of gets funneled through as well as the aforementioned episode placards please feel free anyone to make your voice heard on that platform and if you want to send the show an email i will read any bit of correspondence i get whether it's a facebook or email on the show, but you can email at onward to victory podcast at gmail.com. Now, if you'd like to name yourself to the onward to victory consensus all American list and join loyal sons Brad and Michael and become a loyal son or daughter, so to speak, you can do so very simply. A $10 donation to the show will sponsor an episode and get your name called out as a consensus All-American over the air. So you can do a donation, a one-time donation at paypal.me slash onward to victory. Or if you want to donate a certain amount per month, please visit patreon.com slash onward to victory podcast. Um, I hope you know that any support is greatly appreciated and we have some new merch. So I'll be sure that our consensus All-Americans are going to get this sent directly to their house. But with each donation to the show, you will get a world famous Father William Corby show coaster. Set your beverage on it. But hey, your beverage can't be naked. So you'll actually, I'll actually send you an Onward to Victory, a Notre Dame football podcast can cooler as well. So regardless of whether it is you're drinking, we'll make sure that you are properly outfitted for that. 
So I will actually send a video. I'll do a video review of Rock Me of Ages. I think that's important. But however, I will also show off these uh, new coasters and these new uh, koozies for you all. If anyone is interested, like I said, you're awful special to me if you are. I guess that's it for today. I do appreciate your time. This might be the longest episode in show history. But uh, I do appreciate you sticking around. Keep on the lookout for future show updates. I'll be doing an interview with local kickers and punter Gage Pewterbaugh, who has been uh, invited actually to Notre Dame for a visit. So he is, he is actually being formally pursued by Notre Dame. And I want to know what that's like. I can't sympathize with that experience. And so I want to know what it's like. And so I'll ask Gage myself here very, very soon, possibly for the next episode. But uh, please, please, again, subscribe if you haven't already, and you'll be alerted to all the new episodes. But, however, I'm going to sign off. This has been Onward to Victory, a Notre Dame football podcast celebrating one year on the air. And in kindness, I am your host, Alex Painter. And as always, go Irish.